Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 417, Board Game Geek Hotness, March 2023. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers, but especially Danielle, one of our new digital backers. Thank you so much, Danielle. You rock. All right, friends, we are back. And again, another great episode. We are talking to you about the super hotness that's happening out there in the board gaming industry. And nothing's hotter than the hotness, Anthony. Nothing is ever hotter than the hotness. These are the hot games everybody's playing, talking about buying, mostly buying. Uh, mostly buying. It's mostly, mostly buying. buying. <laughs> like the, the top 10 is always stuff that isn't out yet because <laughs> we're all just <laughs> buying it. Um, but yeah, it's fun. We're going to go through the top 50. I'll point out all the new stuff, talk about why it's there, and uh, give a little a rundown on stuff you should be looking out for in the weeks and months to come. Absolutely. So you'll have the latest and the greatest and know what to hit the table for this week, and then why certain games are there, because strangeness, and maybe, I don't know, they disappeared off Kickstarter for 10 to 20 years, and then they found their way back somehow to backers, so a lot of that stuff. Yeah. All right, so with that said, Anthony, we've been doing so much this past couple of weeks. Again, thank you all for joining us at Long Island Tabletop Gaming Expo 2023, but Anthony, during that whole crazy process, because it's March, and because March is crazy, we had a little gamer madness going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have March Gamer Madness, which we we have so much fun with this every year. It's one of our favorite pairs of episodes that we do. Um, and we get to run a contest, which is also a lot of fun, because then we get to see what people vote for mm-hmm. as the winning game. Uh, and then we get to use those votes to kind of help break ties, which is always helpful, because there's two of us. And there's lots of ties. There were um, a lot of ties. Yeah. And so like every year we've been doing this for, I think, seven or eight years. We've been doing this March Madness thing. And this year we had the most participants we've ever had by nice. like 30%. So yeah. to the literally hundreds of you who filled out that contest form and went through the bracket and chose what games you thought you would win. Just amazing. Thank you so much. It was really cool. It was fun to look at. It was fun to have everybody involved. Um, Special shout out, of course, to our winner, Matt Perrone, who not just won, but won by like 400 points. So (laughs) if you've never done a bracket thing before, you get points for each correct selection and they're worth more the higher you go. So like if you choose the final winner, that's worth a lot more points than if you choose like a round one winner. Uh, And Matt had like 1900 points or something. Uh, The next closest (laughs) was like 1550. So Way to go, Matt. I've uh, reached out to Matt. Matt gets to pick a game from the the list of 64 that's in print right now and that I can get to him <laughs> uh, as a surprise. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody who participated. So much fun to do. Uh, we'll be doing another one of these for the Women's World Cup coming up here this summer. So stay tuned for another chance to fill out a bracket and win a game. Uh, but, yeah, lots of fun. Sports and games. We like both because yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're one of those rare board game podcasts where we're like, we're not going to pretend we don't know what sports are. We like them. We enjoy watching <laughs> sports. <laughs> the sports ball points? No, no, no. We get it. Um, <laughs> baseball season starts in like five days. I'm like shaking with energy over here. Uh, but but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And we, we look forward to the next round. So congrats to Matt. Congrats to everybody else who participated. Awesome stuff. Excellent. Uh, so, Anthony, that's not just all that's going on with us. A lot of stuff is happening with our Patreons. Yeah, no, Patreon is killing it like it, like usual. Like, if you are a member here, um, just want to remind you of everything that you get for, for joining us. Um, at the $2 level, you get access to the Discord server. You get access to our weekly uh, Question of the Week Patreon contest. Um, you get early access to episodes ad-free. So, that's just for any level of support. You get that. Um, if you bump on up to the, the $5 tier, you also get all of our bonus episodes that we release at least twice a month. Sometimes we release three or four in a month. Um, uh, my next one coming up very shortly will be in continuation of my Kickstarter post-mortem uh, series where I look at the games I backed and, and we talk about if it was a success or a failure or if I still have it or if I'm getting rid of it. Um with some philosophical introspection about <laughs> just collecting things in general. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun. We've gotten some good feedback on that. So uh, check that out. And 
just in general, it's great to have your support. Anybody who's supporting, thank you so much. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff you can uh, get for for joining us on there. Absolutely. And again, thank you all so very much. Again, supporting Patreon supports a lot of our endeavors to get more tabletop gaming out there for everyone at the table. So we recently talked about board game academics and how we were able to talk about board games and mental health. And we were also able to talk about board games and colleges and higher education. And I think hopefully that'll help get more board games out there in your everyday life. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's going on with us for the moment. What's going on with our friends out there? What's our question of the week? All right. Question of the week for this week. I asked everyone, what is a mechanic from board games that you absolutely love, but feel is severely underutilized in other games? So every now and then we run across this mechanic. We're like, that's brilliant. We, I want to see that more. And then nobody does it. Yes. Right. But my big example from recent years is the action selection mechanic from uh, Civilization and New Dawn, which forever no one was doing. And then finally, Ark Nova took it. So now everybody knows it. And I'm sure we'll see it 100 more times because Ark Nova did it. But there's a good five years there where I was like, is anyone else going to do this? It's a cool idea. Someone do it. And, and then finally, <laughs> uh, our, our buddy managed to figure that out. So I asked people what their favorites were. Um, lots of good answers here. Uh, over on Patreon, Ryan says, I'd love to see more games use worker improvement or strengthening mechanisms like in Architects Ooh, of the I... West Kingdom. Yes, that's also in Tricarion too. Yeah, yeah. So like once you place the workers, you kind of power them up and get stronger. I 100% agree. I love this mechanic. Um, it, and it's like, it adds like a, a little bit of press your luck to it too, right? Especially in Architects where you can get your guys arrested <laughs> if you put too many out there. Um so that's really no. cool. He also mentions Darwin's Journey, which isn't out yet here in the U.S. at least. But the there's a worker improvement mechanic in that as well, where they each have specific colors of knowledge, um, and the actions are tied to those colors. So you have to like kind of build them up and improve those knowledge over time. Mm-hmm. Um, which definitely a game I'm looking forward to trying out because I, I do love worker improvement. That's cool. It's a great way to add complexity to worker placement, which is a great mechanic, but feels a little stale sometimes. So. I dig that. Um, Drew mentions Mancala mechanism. Trajan, Crusader, Crusaders uh, are some favorites there for him. Um, I'm always surprised we don't see more Mancala. Is it is it just the complexity of it? Like, it does lead to a lot of uh, just getting frozen, right? Like, analysis paralysis. There's You think of games like Trajan or um, Five Tribes. Five Tribes. Yeah. yeah, where it just like really bogs it down because you're trying to think of all the different ways it could play out. Yeah, I think a lot of designers really want to have as many people as possible at the game table. Mm-hmm. And I think with Moncala is you're almost asking for trouble when you do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Ladre over in our Discord says Haunts of Teutonica, player displacement. Mm-hmm. So when you get to place, it's a positive, which creates interesting strategies and also less frustrating for people. Um, it's not quite displacement, but it almost reminds me a little bit of like brass as well, where you want to put stuff out strategically so other people will use it so that you can flip your tiles more efficiently. Like you don't want to have to be using your own materials, except when you absolutely need them. Um, except the end of the game when everybody runs out of beer, because that happens every time. (laughs) It's true. Uh, a few other ones from the Facebook page. We have Pete says the wheel from Zulkin, uh, the cost wheel from palaces of Carrera. Yes. We have the track of Francis Drake. Ed mentions this. Nice. Um, Tommy says binding negotiation. So he talks about Maria or negotiations are all binding and he refuses to play any games with non-binding negotiation. <laughs> with you. Um, Charlie mentions time as a resource. Sure. So Legends of Andor does that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael says no thanks style auctions. Yes. So nice. like that, like kind of reverse auction uh, and Larry mm-hmm. says cards playing all good stuff. Um, I think the one in addition, I, I can't use civilization and new dawn anymore because Ark Nova did it. And again, we're going to see a million games doing that now, but the, the workers in alleyways, like the cost mechanic from Spirium, um, which we also saw in guilds of Catalan. Yes. I can't, I can't think of any other games that are like relatively recent that do that. Yeah. That's why guilds is, Guilds is still in my top 100 because of that. Yeah. 
it's a really cool mechanic and it adds so much depth to the strategy because you mm-hmm. have to choose again it's like push your luck you have to choose when you switch over to start purchasing mm-hmm. the earlier you do it the more things are going to cost but you get your choice of things the longer you wait the cheaper they are but then you don't get your choice of things so it's like really like a the, the tug of war of that is really really interesting as a mechanic i'd love to see yeah. more of it yeah i think the mechanic that i don't see I, i'm trying to think of more than two examples i'm thinking new york slice and mm. i'm thinking of dynasties which is i cut you choose right and i think that's one of the most dynamic tense decisions that you have to make as far as you know what you want of what's available but the other person's going to get to choose first so how much can you give away to incentivize them from taking the other part but also you get the better part but sometimes it's just it's a really beautiful challenging dangerous mechanic cuz like you might give them everything but the the bare essentials that you want and then you're like oh no i just given away everything even though i really needed those two things and that's i like that mechanic a lot and i guess the other one too which is again we do see a lot in some cases is just i always love uh multi-use cards i love when mm. you can tuck a card i like when stuff has cards on the left top upside down in between so like when a card itself has so many multi variable uses to it so that could be glory to rome that could be lagranha i mean there's just a lot of games that do that that could be bruges just this card has a lot of value to it other than just a one thing and i don't like when anything is a one thing yeah yeah i love that too that's a, that's a good one All right, everyone. So that's everything that's happening out there. Anthony, if people want to hit up and let everyone know what their thoughts are, where should they go? Yeah, no. So we the question of the week is posted everywhere. Facebook, Twitter. uh, It's on our Patreon. It's on Discord. If you want to participate in the contest each week uh, and our winner this week is going to be Ryan with his very thoughtful, in-depth answer about Architects and Darwin's Journey, Mm -hmm. then you can join us on Patreon and the Discord. So either place, we'll pull winners from there if you're a backer. Uh, so congrats to Ryan, who I'll be sending out a uh, gift package from FanRoll uh, with some dice and a uh, dice tray. Um, and yeah, you can hop on board and join us for the contest every week. Excellent. All right, so let's get on to the episode. Anthony, as always, up first is the games that we want to get to the table. Those are our acquisition disorders. So what do you have up for us this week? All right. Yeah. So this is a game we saw a preview of at PAX called Let's Go to Japan. Oh, okay. Good. To Japan. We're going to Japan. Japan. Yeah. I want to go. It's cool. Yes. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, So this is from AEG uh, and it is $39 for the retail version on Kickstarter right now. And then they have their fancy deluxe version, $69 with all the upgrades and nonsense. You know, we know how it goes. Um, It is a set collection exploration vacation type of game. So you're going, you're trying to have the best trip. Just go have a good trip in Japan. And I guess the reason this game exists is because the designer, Josh Wood, who also worked on um, like cat lady and Calico uh, was supposed to go to Japan. And then the pandemic happened, obviously. Uh, And then he built a game with all the research he had done for his trip, which is kind of fun. Like, I'm going to go do all these things. And then he didn't get to do it. And he's like, all right, I'm going to make a game about how I was going to go do all these things. <laughs> so good on you, Josh. That's a good, healthy use of that time. Um, so in the game, uh, you get about 150 cards or so. Uh, and you're going to be like trying to collect these different cards in different locations from throughout Japan. So you got like the Tokyo Tower and going for a walk in different parts of the city or different parts of the country. Um see some cherry blossoms, go to different temples, like all the different things you would do on vacation, right? Um, And then, you know, there's like opportunities for research and different experiences you can go through. Um, And the thing I like about this is that it's not just like, like we we have games kind of like this, right? Takedo, you're walking down a path, you're you're going on vacation, right? Then this game, there's happiness and stress. So you kind of have to manage it's a vacation, right? It's not instantly fun. Sometimes it's also stressful. So there's like different conditions that can impact players and then the happiness and stress tokens. And there's a track that kind of tracks like, are you happy right now? Are you kind of stressed out? There's too much going on. It's getting expensive. Um, and so it adds a little bit more depth and complexity to it than like a Takedo, um, which I mean, honestly, the game still looks to be in that like lighter midweight 
area, but as a vacation type of game, you know, like we have games like Parks, we have games like Takedo, and they're very simple. They're very straightforward, and they just assume you're having a good time. Um, this one kind of challenges you to like, no, really, you got to like balance all these things out and not overdo it and still try to see the things you want to see and collect these sets and go to these different locations. So you're going to draft the cards. You're going to place them in the stacks and next to your board. Um, you're going to try to match these different icons and you pass the cards around. So fairly straightforward mechanically, but a little bit of a depth in terms of how it, it plays out. So it looks interesting. Like we didn't get a chance to play it at PAX. I wanted to try it out, but they just kind of had it set up as a, as a preview. Um, but like looking through what the game has to offer, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to back it. Um, there's all these extra like goofy add-ons. Like there's a sticker sheet and postcards and washi tape and luggage tags. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what they're doing here, um, but <laughs> they got to find a reason to charge you money, man. I know they're like, well, we got to make the deluxe version $70. What can we add to make it worth it? Um, but the core game, the drafting looks cool. So okay. uh, this one's on Kickstarter right now. It should be up there for two me- two more weeks or so. Sure. Um, and my thought is, because of how they've made the title, let's go exclamation point to Japan. Maybe we'll get more of these in other locations, like other vacations. I don't know. Maybe it's a one-off, but it, it seems like it could be a series that they're starting. Yeah, it's definitely a one-off if it doesn't sell. But Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, it's at three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars on Kickstarter, so I think they're doing okay. Yeah, currently, as of this recording, three hundred twenty-two thousand two hundred sixty-three dollars with over five thousand backers. So, yeah, I mean, again, this—it's got a very much chill kind of throwback tableau building kind of feel to it, which I'm completely down for. I love Japan, so yeah, no, this this is fun. This is a fun little game. I don't know if it necessarily needed to be on Kickstarter. I, no, I mean, it I guess I, I guess many games don't. I don't know if any game needs to be on Kickstarter, but this didn't seem to be need to be on Kickstarter. No, because all the stuff they've added is kind of silly, like ceramic yeah. bowls and postcards, and like you don't need any of these things. And then the add-ons are add-ons, like the neoprene mats, which is a thing I'd actually consider. It's an extra. Mm-hmm. It's an add-on. So sure, but also. <laughs> You could have just, and AEG doesn't do this a lot. They do some Kickstarters, but most of their stuff mm-hmm. comes out retail. So you didn't really need to do this, but it's not crazy expensive either. So I'm not that upset about it. It's 40 bucks, which is not terrible. No, I think it's fine. And again, like I said, it's it's just, I didn't think this needed to be on Kickstarter. And I think more and more Kickstarter is nothing more than marketing. Just, yeah, the game's going to be, it's going to be sold for the same amount of copies and uh, relatively around the same amount of prices. And like you said, none of the add-ons are particularly necessary for gameplay, so to speak. And even if they were, you could always pick them up either secondary market or through the company itself. So I don't know if you want the bowls, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's always, I mean, it's always comes down to this, especially now more than ever is shipping. Yeah. So, you know, is the extras that you get on by backing, like, it would be hard to say to back a basic version of this because yeah. the basic version is going to be the thing you're going to get at retail anyway at a discount. So do you want the deluxe edition? Cause if you don't, then I'm not really sure why you're here, but I guess if you could afford the deluxe edition and you say like, I'm getting the deluxe edition, I'm paying a little bit more and the deluxe stuff is not, is worth more than what they're asking for. Plus the shipping, which can be for the U S 14 for eu 20 and then obviously australia always gets hit hard and new zealand gets hit harder which i always feel terrible about i don't know anybody there but i really feel for you all (laughs) because every time i look at the shipping cost of any kickstarter i'm like oh that's bad for me i'm like oh no i'm like no no, yeah i feel like we should do like a uh an airdrop to new zealand i mean i love new zealand i mean anyone who's a lord of the rings fans loves new zealand right yeah yeah no it's 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 lame Shipping prices are lame. I was going through that Kickstarter retrospective and I was looking at the early stuff I backed and I forgot that shipping used to be free on everything. Yes. It was back it was on Kickstarter, you get it for 30 bucks when it's 50 retail and there was no shipping. And I'm like, this is yes. a great deal. And yes. now it's like 
is a terrible deal. I don't. Why am I doing this? <laughs> so yeah, they slowly started to like encroach, and like initially they were like, "Hey, you are investing money in us for a game that you may not see for one to two years." So that investment is so important to us to produce this. And also you're giving up, I guess, whatever small amount of interest you would get or just having the money in hand and the risk that you're taking by giving us money. So therefore we will eat the shipping. And now it's like the shipping is all that matters now. Like anytime I go to Kickstarter, I go directly to the shipping. Yeah. Because games are available everywhere now. There's not necessarily an exclusive exclusive area even if you pay secondary market sometimes the shipping's more expensive which is crazy mm-hmm. especially if you're backing something with miniatures yeah well speaking of weird crazy kickstarter stuff i never thought i'd be talking about this but hey did you listen to the last episode because i talked about marrakesh the new stefan feld super deluxe crazy edition that i picked up as part of his city collection i am still emotionally i guess trying to like wrangle with my feelings about the four game collection still have not played all four games yet will play all four games pretty soon but i'm still trying to figure out how do i feel about it all because again cost and everything else that goes along with it and just craziness and delays and it just there's like 15 different 20 or 30 different things maybe i'll put up on a patreon back episode where i'm with a psychologist and he's trying to walk me through this (laughs) but they, for some reason, have recently on Kickstarter released Marrakesh Essential Edition. You can hear my review and my explanation of the game on our last episode, so please check back to listen to this. The first thing that kind of like flagged me was this is the Essential Edition. So if it's the Essential Edition, what did I back? Yeah. Right? Because usually when you think Essential Edition like Stegmeier, you're like, oh, that's the best version of the game. So clearly I spent more money for the lesser version of the game. But this is the essential edition from Queen Games. And basically what we're looking at here is a slimmed down version of Marrakesh, the city edition that was recently on Kickstarter. And obviously a slimmed down version even more so with the deluxe edition. So you are looking at player boards that instead of having kind of in retrospect, I don't know if they're robust, right? Like they're fully uh, realized sections of your player board. Cause when you play Marrakesh, everyone has a pretty substantial player board that represents the city and all the different areas. This one has that, but all of the sections are slimmed and condensed. And then four of the sections are, regulate regulated to like just tracks so they're not there's nothing i i guess abstractly representative of what they're trying to show but there are four tracks now instead of having areas the game board is slimmed down as well a number of the other pieces are slimmed down the there's more cardboard in this game the wood pawns are very basic but again it's the essential game with again a slimmed down version uh, Coco Pelli is also on this Kickstarter because Queen Games tend to do this where they just throw everything in that they have in the warehouse to sell. But basically, smaller game. You don't get the really nice insert. You get a cardboard insert to this. I mean, that's primarily it. Other than, I guess, the the main thing, again, as I mentioned before, if, you, if it's U.S., it's 22 to shipping. If it's Europe, it's variable depending on where you live. And again, Australia... It gets hit again for $45. Jeez, guys. Jeez. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the world is 48 so it doesn't get much better. So if you want to back the Essential Edition of Marrakesh and didn't get to back it previously, you could do so for $69. If you do want to back what they call the Classic Edition, I don't know if it's classic because I just got it in the mail like a month ago, but the Classic or the Deluxe Edition, that is also available on this campaign. So... Basic version, $69. You can get the, the bundle with Coco Pelli for $99. Again, depending on what kind of version you want for the game. And you can back the Super Deluxe version for $170. It's here. It's a good game. P- questionable pricing, questionable production with the Cube Tower. And the shipping is not questionable. It was terrible. It was awful. Yeah. I mean... I think it took forever for us to get the game. The game showed up at my house. I think yours, Anthony, as well. 
And then I think, what was it? Like four days later, we got shipping notification that the game yeah, had shipped. Yeah. Yeah, it's was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I got like five notifications that the game had shipped. And I was like, really? <laughs> Am I getting five more copies? Like what's happening here? Yeah. So yeah, Marrakesh is currently on Kickstarter. If you missed it, if you want to take a look at it, I, if you don't, you could have a good time reading the comments because between this <laughs> and the last campaign, people are losing it. People are not happy and they are no. expressing it for the $1 donation that you put into the campaign, you could say whatever you want to say in the comments. And then I was like, I showed a couple to Anthony. I was like, this is hardcore. And then I saw like a, probably about two dozen people who have canceled their, you know, pledge. So I'm sure they, they got in there. They said what they wanted to say to queen games and they got out and there it is. So yeah, yeah. you have until April 4th to back this. I don't know what they're doing, man. I have no idea what they're doing. It's like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, why does this exist? I, you know? So quickly. I know. And like the dumbest thing, and I know it's a cost cutting measure, but the, the Keshis, right? Yes. They give you just enough that everybody can drop them into the tower. But then once uh-huh. you put them on your board, you have to pull out the cardboard. Yeah. Like, cause there aren't enough, whether it doesn't fit in the box or whatever it is. Like, I just... This is one of those rare situations where, like, I like the game fine. I wouldn't mind owning a copy, but this version looks kind of cruddy. Yeah. And I don't want this, and I don't want to pay $170 for the deluxe edition. Yeah. Which is obscene. Stupid. And remember, it's also the deluxe edition without all the extra Kickstarter deluxe things like signing, numbering, whatever fell trading cards you get with it, things like that. Right, which, by the way, I didn't get any of that because I got a note in my box that said, we'll send it later. And then when I email them, they're like, what are you talking about? So that's fun. Um, <laughs> this company, man, I swear, they don't know what they're doing. They do uh, I Yeah, I don't know. This is one of those games I'll wait and then maybe someone will be selling off a copy cheap in the future on the marketplace because I just I, I don't even feel like I can give them money right now. I don't want to reward this behavior because mm-hmm. it's just bad management. The game is fine, but the management is just terrible. And it's you know weird. what? Yeah. $40,000 in pledges means everybody else kind of agrees. Nobody's like, we're not giving you guys any more money. <laughs> nope. And that was the last campaign, too. Because, again, I, I backed all the extra crazy stuff because Stefan Feld's my, my dad, clearly. And, you know, I have the numbers. Like, I purchased to get the numbers. So I, I had fully invested in this concept that I was going to have a bookshelf of the Feld City Collection numbered from whatever to whatever that was going to be my specific number and i paid all the monies so the fact that the last city campaign came out and i had i briefly looked at it and didn't think once about backing it really goes to show something it just does and i just because you know like you love the designer you even love the company and then they this has just been a catastrophe from top to bottom yeah yeah and you feel a little bad for Feld because like the games are great, but like this is just bad. It's like, bad. It taints everything, you know. It does, yeah. You know, and like in ten years, will we remember? No, maybe not. We'll be like, oh yeah, Marrakesh is a great game. Like, oh, remember how crappy that campaign was? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are the games that we want at the table, or maybe not. I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right, Anthony. Let's get on to the games that did hit the table. We'll let know people if, if those games are a buy, and they should actually buy it. Even if it's on Kickstarter with crazy shipping, if those games are play and they should sit down and play them and forget about all the crazy problems with it, the games are a dodge and they should avoid it because, again, crazy problems. Or if the games are the dread burn and you decide to pay a buck and then go into the Kickstarter campaign and burn Queen Games to their face, you could do that too, clearly. <laughs> so uh, there yeah. you go. We found yeah. the burn again. We, we lost it last week. We brought it back. See? Yeah, no, that's a good call. That is that is the best kind of burn. Like it's letting the best people burn. know that they're bad at business. That's right. It's like here, here's a dollar just for me to say a thing to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's constructive. Um, it wasn't nasty. It's constructive stuff. So I I appreciate those people for sharing because again, it just makes us all better. Yeah. So Anthony, you played games. What did you play? I uh, this is my favorite uh, button shy review time. So. The new one came in uh, not too long ago, Numbsters, N-U-M-B-S-T-E-R-S, uh, designed by Milan Zivkovic, um, who previously produced Rove, 
results oriented versatile explorer um and so (laughs) i've talked about button shy games before so if you're not familiar these are they come in a little wallet they have 18 cards sometimes more if they have expansions and that's it that's the whole game um historically they did a lot of games that played like two to four players but in recent years their biggest hit was sprawlopolis which i love it's a top 50 game for me um which is solo with a co-op two-player rules uh, variant so a lot of their games recently have been solo because i think that's kind of the sweet spot like these are the kinds of things like i always grab i have a, a stack of them i grab two or three of them if i'm going on a trip i can play them on the train i can play them in the hotel or the airbnb they take like 10 minutes so they're just like really quick easy things to kind of throw down um and so this is the newest one that just shipped here in the last month and it's not as good as sprawlopolis i'll say um but it, it does a lot of interesting things. Uh, so I, I don't dislike it. I don't love it, but I don't dislike it. In the game, you have a hand of cards. So you're going to start with um, six cards in your hand, one of which is the mouth. So there's a mouth card, right? That is the eating thing. And on your turn, each turn, you need to take an action to move a card in your hand. So you can't, you're not allowed to move the cards around in your hand otherwise, but you take an action to move them around. You can move any one card to a different location, or you can swap any two cards, right? And then the card to the left of the mouth can eat the card to the right of the mouth or vice versa, as long as one number is one level lower than the other. So this is an entire game based on the joke of seven, eight, nine, right? Like the the kid thing. Um, Because it's monsters. It's monsters. It's monsters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Each of the numbers is a little monster, and it's yes. eating another monster. Um, Get it? Numsters? Ah! Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of so works. It, that alone is kind of a, a cute, clever premise, but if that was it, you would lose every time because it, it would just come down to the luck of the draw. The game is over if you manage to get everything out of your hand except for the mouth, or if you end your turn and the mouth is the top card meaning it moved all the way to the top, um, you lose. And what you count up, however many cards are left, that's your score. You don't want points. The other thing, though, is each card has text on it. So instead of doing the normal action, you can do the action of the card at the front of your hand. So the, the first card that you're looking at. And these can be things like an odd number eats a higher even number or, you know, the, a single digit number eats a double digit number, like breaking the rules effectively. So you can use these strategically to kind of deal with the fact that the cards in your hand are not in chronological order. Um, when you do that, though, you get to move that card to the back of your hand. And so you do that and you do that and you do that and you see where you end up in terms of score. And that's basically it. That's the game. It takes, it says 10 minutes. It takes even less time than that. It's very simple. Um, I had this with me on a writing retreat a couple of weeks ago and I just, I didn't feel like writing anymore at a certain point. And I played it like eight times in a row in like 30 minutes. It's very fast. Uh, so it's interesting. It's an interesting puzzle. But at the end of the day, even with those extra abilities, sometimes it just comes down to luck of the draw. And it is very, very quick because there are only the 18 numbers um, in the deck. So it goes pretty fast. It's fun. It's kind of mindless. There's not a lot of weight or complexity to it. Like Sprawlopolis, I like because it's complex, right? You're making a lot of difficult decisions of where to put things and how to match all these different scoring objectives. This game just has the one decision each turn. So I like it. It's a light play. And, you know, it costs $10. So it's not like I spent a fortune on this game. And I'll hold on to it because it's it's an easy one to play when I have, like, really, really little time and I don't feel like thinking at all. Um, but it's it's not quite on par with the Sprawlopolis series, which there's, like, three or four of now. Um, but I'll, I'll say this every time. Button share games are great. They're inexpensive. They would not exist without Kickstarter. And they ship very quickly. Like when they put it up there and you pay for it, you have like they get those printed and in, in the mail within like a month or two. So it's, you never forget where it's going from. Um, so yeah, Numsters, Button Shy, Milan Zivkovic. Check it out. Excellent. Another little cute little tiny little carry all game with you. Yeah, I know. Like I've, I have how many of these I got? Like nine now? It's fun. Nice. All right. Well, I played the opposite. I played a big quasi 4X game. We played Brazil Imperial. Build your own Brazilian empire in this 4X Euro game. 
and I think it's important to mention that what we're really dealing with here more than anything else is we are dealing with a Euro game that has a lot more happening on the table than than a 4X traditional game because you do not have the kind of military evasions that you think you would have for this type of game because it does have military units. But what we're looking at here is a quasi-scythe. It's somewhat akin spiritual successor to scythe, but sometimes in some ways it's different. So playing this game was just, it was just really interesting. This is uh, Z Mendez. This is from Portal Games, at least the U.S. uh, distribution here. And I was incredibly excited because, first off, I love Scythe. So anything that does Scythe, and in a lot of ways people were saying, um, does Scythe better, I was 100% on board for that. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> and I'm not sure it was no, I don't understand either. But yes, it Siri is. Siri wants a, on the show, man. <laughs> well, look, Siri's a big backer here, and she wants to know about the games, and she is a fan of Scythe. So the idea of Brazil Imperial to have a game like Scythe, but to have a better version as far as actual artwork that was not copied and pasted from other artists. People forget <laughs> that. And again, a game that had a module of board to start with and was more Euro-based was something that I was hotly anticipating, wanted more than anything. So you get your own player board that, just like Scythe, has a number of different actions available to you, which you can take to build up your little civilization throughout the game. And depending on the number of players and the setup of the board, it's really interesting because everyone has their little section in which they're able to grow out of. and Basically, you get to decide what kind of gameplay interaction, at least based on that kind of initial board placement. The actions are deploy, because you're going to be deploy, which allows you to recruit units from your board onto the field. You'll be able to draw battle cards in that same situation. And that's going to allow you very much like Scythe to take place and have some kind of secret attacks. There are paintings. Again, the artwork here is gorgeous. I think it's some of the best artwork for a board game that I've ever seen, just hands down. So the paintings give you special abilities, actions, and victory points. Great. You're also able to build, again, like Scythe. I'm sorry to keep using the Scythe here. Uh, But you'll be able to build and put buildings on the board that do a number of different things and provide you with special abilities. And, for example, you know, gold mines can be able to be placed in the gold mined area. So buildings have a specific area in which they're connected to. So that's one of those considerations that you need to take into account. You can renovate, which allows you to flip over your basic building tiles to a better kind of situation. Manufacture, where you're able to get resources from those different areas according to what manufacturing buildings are there. Harbor, which allows you to acquire uh, raw materials, to switch out materials and things like that, gold especially. And then obviously trade, which allows you to do all the kind of fun exchanging situations. It is a beautiful, wonderful game to look at and to get to the table. And everything about the game is very dynamic except for the interaction. Like you're kind of doing your own thing throughout the game. And there really is no major incentive for you to go out to take over other people's things. There is a situation where you do have some tiles that are like cloud covered. So you can't tell necessarily what is available there, whether it's animals for a set collection or other military situations, things that are available randomly on the board. So for me, I love that exploration. This is where it lets down a little bit and Scythe does it better because in Scythe, when you get to those particular exploration areas, you get a card. The card gives you three different options of like what you want to get and what the penalties are. And that's really amazing. It really provides for some storytelling here It's like you get a thing or you get a battle and that's primarily it. So that was kind of really disappointing because I think they missed out on providing a historic landscape or imagined historic landscape about trades or battles or political intrigue or civilizations dealing with the incursion of colonists and things like that. Again, this is a, it has a lot of great to it. And having the leaders that really kind of provide you with a special ability gives a lot more to the game. And yet at the same time, 
the leaders can be unbalanced. So like I had a leader that you had to trade in battle cards for, you know, to get, I think, gold in the game uh, resources. And I was like, all right, but now I'm giving up, you know, my opportunity for military, whereas other people had abilities that gave them more things throughout the game a lot more frequently. So the player abilities can be a little bit off from here to there. The upgrading your player board is satisfying. The building on the map is satisfying. You get to see your little empire built up. But the pure interaction of the board game is limited. You do get these cards which allow you to to think about your civilization over three different periods and meet those conditions in order to score victory points. But even those are somewhat overly abstracted to the point of like, here, get a couple of this and a couple of that, therefore this. I'm like, hmm. I guess I'll do that. So uh, Brazil Imperial, sadly for me, even though it's still a good game, gets a play for me. Uh, but it was not the scythe killer that I was hoping that it would be. Yeah, I was honestly pretty significantly disappointed in this game. Um, for all the things you mentioned, for sure, right? Is it, This is supposed to be, you know, a 4X game. It's real world conditions. Uh, it's... Uh, interesting and different take on this colonialist style 4x approach but great it takes a lot of stuff from scythe which is interesting but at the same time some of those things it takes from scythe i don't like like the game still ends abruptly right yeah the game ended on the last player in the round's turn nobody else got to go again okie doke that's fun you know like you don't know you can plan but then you don't know if you're gonna get to pull off your plan and it's just one of my least favorite mechanisms in board games. I don't know why people keep doing it. Just don't do that. It's a bad way to end a game. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. I will I will call you out every time. It's just not a fun way to do it. You got to at least give people some warning that it's coming. Um, And yeah, the lack of interaction. I've heard this from multiple people that I've talked to about this game too. Like, And there are different map setups in the back of the book that can encourage or discourage combat. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you're far enough away from each other and you can build up your engine and run it without necessarily engaging with other people that it doesn't matter. Unless one of your cards says you need to go like control someone else's city, which is the only reason we had any combat in ours because somebody needed to do that. Yeah. Then why <laughs> would you? Why would you waste your turns doing that when you could be building resources and, and improving your own engine? Um the resources also towards the end of the game are kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Right. Like you have enough stuff out, you have enough abilities that kind of let you use them interchangeably and you have enough discounts from upgrading stuff that the resources don't really mean as much. Like the science yeah. becomes important when you finally unlock it and start getting it, but then the game's almost over. So I don't know, like the first couple of times I played this kind of um, not with you, I wasn't quite sure how to articulate what my problem was with the game. And now that I've played it again, I'm just like, I just, it doesn't feel complete. And I don't understand the argument that it's like a better version of Scythe. I don't love Scythe as much anymore, but I still found it to be a complete and interesting game. And the combat in that, while it doesn't happen very often, when it does, it's consequential and it matters. Whereas here it feels almost like, I don't know, I got these dudes out. I might as well use them. So, (laughs) Yeah, the game that we played together... Again, my leader was military-based, so I needed to have battle cards in order to swap the battle cards out for resources, but that meant putting a lot of military units on the board, and again, like you said, you can battle, and battling can be fun, right? Like, I think you you and Will had a, I'm sorry, you and uh, Martin had a dynamic kind of confrontation militarily, but again not super consequential. Like again, and it, it's a, it's a lot of expenditure of resources and travel and it's not necessarily something that you want or necessarily need to do. And I was just using my military to explore because what else am I going to yeah. use it for? Because again, I attack you. And again, sometimes the problem with these games is because of the variable setup, which is good. I love the variable setup. Don't get me wrong, but because of the variable setup, it doesn't mean that it's balanced, right? If I attack yeah. you, you attack me, we, we do our own thing, and the third player sitting on the corner and they're just scoring points. Right. It's not Kemet. It's not a balanced military thing. And Scythe, 
has always gotten that criticism, right? Like, yeah. it's got military, but it really doesn't work. And it's got Euro stuff, but it doesn't, like, yes, that is true. But again, and I'll, I'll hit this hammer for the four billionth time. I think at some point, Jamie Stegmeyer must hear get ringing in his ears every time I say this. Like, the Fenris expansion fixes this because it gives you a prelude model. I'm talking about Terraform Mars, where it speeds up a lot of the production and it allows you to do one of, I guess, three things have a military style game as far as conditions to meet, have a Euro style game as far as conditions to meet, or choose what you want the conditions to be as far as how to end the game. And I agree with you hundred percent, Anthony, one of my most, we talked about earlier, one of our favorite mechanics that's, that's uh, not used enough. This is my least favorite mechanic that's used way too often, which is variable, out of the blue and times that are very secretive. Like so I've dumb. collected the thing. I'm going to play the card and end the game. And I'm just like, well, okay, I, I guess like, yeah, I was, yeah. I, and like, just, I don't know yeah. that. And at the game, I was, my cards were done and I was waiting because I knew other people wanted to finish stuff. And that's yeah. what that does to you. If you're not playing cutthroat, you feel like, well, I don't want to be a jerk. It's cut you off in the middle of your engine. Yeah. Especially if you're like teaching the games. I'm like, no, nah, I'll let y'all keep playing. That's dumb though. Why is that it in is. there? It's dumb. Why do you have the option? It should be public knowledge then. I'm like, oh, he's almost done with his card. We need to be working towards this. That's fine. I don't mind sudden death. The hidden sudden death. Yes. Ugh. Just don't well, like I, it. In that game that we played together, I knew that at that Martin was going to, he seemed like he was finishing his last card. And again, this was something that I deduced. It wasn't something that was, readily available he could have bluffed i guess and i was at the end of the game i was like do i continue to build the thing or just score points now at this point and like i started just scoring points because i felt the game was coming to an end and then the game went on for like i guess another round or two longer and i was just like he lost the combat so and i was just like well what am i doing now now i'm playing a sub version of this game like yeah the last round of the game is always the round of almost any Euro game where you're just like, I just need to get points. Like I need to trade out my resources, you know, take the, take the lesser action for the most points possible. And I was just like, if you don't know when a game's coming to an end and to be fair in Scythe, you don't, you have to, you can keep very close eyes on your opponents and you could see on the board, I guess it's at six stars. It's been a while since I played Scythe, like it's six stars or something where like, Sounds you right. get a general idea. It's still not good. I still hate that. But again, Fenris expansion changes that. You could play with uh, alternative end goals, which I think might be also in the um, Wind Gambit airship, right? The airship. Yeah, Wind Gambit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you shouldn't have to do that. So Brazil Imperial, please, I'm I'm begging and pleading with you because I do love so much about this game. Come out with a Fenris expansion and just make this game whole because. This could be one of the greatest games of all time if it had, like you said, Anthony, like it's missing, I don't know, 50% more game here. It it's feels so like- silly. It just doesn't make sense. If you're going to base your game on Scythe and Scythe fixed these problems, why did you leave these problems in? Like it starts slow. The military doesn't do much. There's not a lot of interactivity. The game ends abruptly. Like these are all things we knew were a problem. Maybe fixed. they like them. I don't know. I can't say. The designer might no. have done these. Presumably they did them on purpose, and this is what they wanted. Or maybe they started designing this years ago. But I don't know. For me right now, it's a dodge in its current form. I think mm. if you fix all that stuff, I would probably like it more. But in its current form, I just I don't want to play it again. Yeah, it's still a play for me. I'm glad I own the game. But I'm just, I'm heartbroken. Because again, this was a game that I was, I mean, this was my hotly anticipated game. Yeah, and I'm still glad I have it, and I will still play it, and I probably will switch to play it maybe solo, mm. because there's some online content where you could play it solo from the publisher. But please come out with an expansion. I've never asked more for a thing. Like, <laughs> please come out for an expansion. Like bring this game back. This game again. It comes with a beautiful, illustrated and written history of you know Brazil. So they have that there. Build that into the game. Give me some historical context about the game or take a look at um, Lisboa where the different errors really matter and like the cards switch up because the errors are different. Like do that. Like do something different with the painting cards where now science is really a big thing. Like 
just don't throw them out there all together. Like make them error specific. Yeah. That might help too. All right. So that's all the games that are in our table. Anthony, we are upon it. It is our feature review talking about the latest and greatest. And of course, the hottest on board game geek for March, 2023. What is going on? All right. Yeah. So here's how this works. We do this once a month give or take, uh, and we go through the top 50 games on BoardGameGeek's hotness. Now, I don't go through all 50, because some of these games are here every single month. There are quite a few that I'll skim over, you'll hear me mention them in passing, that are almost always on this list, so there's no real reason to touch on them again. We know why they're there. They're popular. (laughs) Um, The goal here is to point out the ones that are new to the list, or suddenly back on the list, old games that are suddenly people are talking about kickstarters that are shipping or new games that were just announced. Cause that's the stuff people really want to hear about. Right. Uh, so if you hear me jump a number, it's on purpose. I promise. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to kick off at number 50. It is a game that we both love and probably will never own because they just ran a Kickstarter for Andromeda's Edge and that's dwellings of Eldervale. I believe uh-huh. they have a new printing is that is finally available, but I don't want it now because I got the sci-fi version coming. <laughs> I'd like to believe that's the case too, but I probably will buy this at some point. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think I will actually. I honestly don't think I will. I don't have space for it. I'm like, I can't own both. Oh, that's I true. I can't justify that. Oh, I, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> yeah, space. <laughs> oh, no, space. Space, space are uh, the worst enemy of the board gamer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's literally my main concern right now. <laughs> so, um, Number 49 is Jurassic World Legacy of Isla Nublar. Uh, I don't know why this popped up on the list. This game kind of it had a big Kickstarter. People were very excited about it. Initial reviews were tepid at best. Um, it looks like it was on sale at Game Nerds. So maybe yes, that's, why. that's the reason. That's 100 percent the reason why. OK, so people are starting to dump it and therefore people are looking it up. Should I buy this? Yeah, uh, I would say if you have children, yes. If you do not no. that's there my review for 20 seconds. <laughs> Uh, War of the Ring Second Edition is here. Always love to see that. All time favorite. Um, I don't know why it jumped up on the list at number forty eight. There's somebody posted a print and play dice game that they made. Maybe it's that. Sure. I don't know, but it should be always there's, be up here. It's amazing. Yeah, there's new movies coming out and yeah, content, yeah. and and the card game's still great. So probably people are misclicking. That might be part of it too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Project L is back on the list at number 47. This is a game that everybody thought was gone forever because the publisher went under. Um, yep. But I guess the designer got the rights back. So this game will presumably be coming back if they can find a new publisher. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, Flamecraft at number 46. This is a game we saw very, very hot at PAX. People are all about it. Um, it's been winning awards and just generally has been up there on the list. Um Hoping to get a copy of this at some point so we can actually talk about it, but it's same, relatively light, but looks really cute. It's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number 44 is ISS Vanguard. This is a big box of miniatures and plastic and stuff. Um, cooperative space faring Awakened Realms type of game. People love it, though. I will never play it. People love it. Uh, moving up the <laughs> list, we have Terraforming Mars at Ares Expedition. Uh, the the expansions just shipped. So I got nice. my expansions and my collector's box in for this. Um, haven't played it yet. Any of the new content, but I know a lot of people are getting that new content to the table and starting to talk about it. Hopefully we will be able to do the same here in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, great version of Terraforming Mars. Excited to see what those three expansions do for it. Number 41 is an age contrived. Uh, this is a new game that's, Looks to be on Kickstarter, so lots of stuff going into the box. Um, designed by Chris Matthew. It's the first game, so it's one of those situations where you don't really know what you're getting. But it's a fantasy game at first. You think it's going to be like, you know, big, sprawling, plastic nonsense. But it's a Euro game with engine building. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it's got auctions in- involved. It's got route building. It's got a lot of economic elements to it as a fantasy game, which is cool. Um it's really hard to tell as with many of these big expensive Kickstarter games, how it plays. So hopefully get some more information about that soon. Uh, number 39, we got Frostpunk. Uh, Chris, you just talked about this like two weeks ago, right? Yeah. It's a big sprawling survivalist game. It's pretty funky. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. It's not for me, I don't think, but it, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Stationfall uh, is the new game from the Ecklands, an eye on game design. So if you know anything about Eckland games, they're big, they're complex. There's a lot of text on a lot of cards and a big, messy looking board. So it's a space station falling apart. It looks cool. I just, mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason, can never quite wrap my head around these games. Gotcha. Uh, number 36 is Teletum. We talked about this a few weeks back. Uh, we reviewed it. The new one from Luciani and Tashini. It's um, another tea game. Tea game. A good one. <laughs> <laughs> yes last few have been kind of meh so it's, it's a good one yeah uh, i don't i don't honestly know why i jumped up on the list it must have won an award for something but i don't see it in the the forums mm. so okay um feel free to reach out and tell me <laughs> if, I, if you know <laughs> it i don't know uh 35 is horseless carriage the new splatter game uh this finally got to everybody barely just before fun again shut down forever they got Jeez. these out the door imagine so my I know. I was like, you better send me my game. This was expensive. Of all so, games. Yeah. I know. Uh, so I got this in a couple weeks ago, like right before uh, the, the expo last week. So I haven't had a chance to play it. All I've done is punch it. Um, so I'm going to set it up. I'm going to run through the rules. And hopefully the next time we have a game day here, we'll we'll get it played. Sounds good. 34 Townsfolk Tussle from Panic Roll. This is that like... 1930s style co-op boss battler that was really hot mm-hmm. last year jumped way up on the on the hotness when the new Kickstarter launched last week. So yep. people getting their copies. Um, got a few games in here that we all recognize: Cascadia, Everdell, Marrakesh is in the top at number 31 because of the Kickstarter. Um, Root, Gloomhaven, Marvel Champions, the card game. These are I'm skimming over these, of course, because these are the games that are always there. Yeah, yeah. so we know that. Yeah. Uh, 26 Final Girl, which has been up on the list a little bit. The second Kickstarter, I think, has been shipping um, over the last few weeks. So people are getting their Series 2 stuff in. If, if you're all about this game, there's now like, I think, 15 of these boxes you can play through, which is crazy. Um, Hegemony, Lead Your Class to Victory. We both backed this, and it is shipping now-ish or soon, right? Like, soon. Yeah. And it's gotten some early, really positive reviews, which I am incredibly, amazingly, like, just blown away. Because I was like, this is going to be one of those games that's just going to be like a lead balloon. I'll enjoy it, but it's right. a lead balloon for everybody else. But a lot of people have enjoyed it. It's gotten advanced copies. So, yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah, I took a flyer on this, too, because I was like, well, it'll be good for my class, I guess. Um, yeah. I hope it's good, but I don't expect it. But apparently it's brilliant. So great. Yes. <laughs> Every once in a while. Every once in a while. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, next up on the list, uh, jumping over a few, we have number 18 is Bamboo. This is a new one from DeVere, just recently announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, designed by Germain Milan, uh, who did Pitoku. Uh, yeah. So big, pretty looking game. Um, and it like at first glance at the box, I was like, oh, it looks like a lighter game. But it's a couple hours long. Um, you're growing and harvesting bamboo crops so it looks like you're farming style euro but with bamboo instead of wheat and cows um, yeah i'm really excited about this devere is really just they've hit in the next level they really there's a secondary gear here and i'm really impressed yeah no it looks amazing um this is an, another one here just got announced sancore the pride of mansa musa mm-hmm. um, this is about building or i'm sorry managing um uh, school within a university in Timbuktu. So mm-hmm. this looks to be like a unofficial sequel to uh, Merv because it has yes. the same style artwork and it's from Fabio Lopiano. So Ayuno tool, Fabio Lopiano back looks great. Yes. Really excited about this. Want, want and need more games that kind of highlight, you know, thematically school education kind of stuff. Yeah, Especially just from different countries. That. Yeah. 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 Well, we were trying to put that list together at one point. It was hard. Oof. There aren't that many. <laughs> um, number 15, Revive. This was a big hot game at Essen. Um, all the pre-orders shipped like in the last month or so. So mm-hmm. I, I do have a copy of this as well that I've punched and haven't looked at otherwise. So I'm excited to play this uh, in the near future. Uh, number yeah. 13. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Go, 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 go. I'm just, I'm, it's hot. It's too I'm, hot, man. I, I know. I'm like a... I'm like that boulder <laughs> in Indiana Jones. I cannot stop. <laughs> uh, Restoration Games is re-implementing Star Wars Epic Duels 
with Unmatched Adventures, Tales to Amaze. So kind of mashing up the classic out-of-print epic duels with the Unmatched uh, series that they've been making now for a little while. So could be cool. I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. So you're you're teaming up and you're taking down Mothman or Martian Invader. Sure. Yeah, That's I, a thing. <laughs> oh, series on my side now, too. Uh, <laughs> she found the game. Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> Going crazy today. Uh, I'm very excited. It's a lot of hot games, man. Everyone's so excited. Hot. So hot. <laughs> All right. Uh, another cool strategy game that's like just has like a, a whimsical theme. We have Wild Gardens at mm-hmm. number 12. This is from designer Isaac Vega, which is exciting because Isaac Vega worked on a lot of really great games. Dead of Winter, yes. like chief chief among them, but also uh, Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born, Flick Em Up, um, Forgotten Waters, like a lot of really good stuff. So Wild Gardens is a game in which you are foraging. You're going out in the world. It's got like that cottage core look to it. Very soft, gentle mm-hmm. pastels. Um, and you're just trying to cook a delicious meal for your guests. So, nice. I, I love games like this. They're just relaxing to look at. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, number 11, Star Wars deck building game. Uh, we will play this the next time we are in the same place <gasps> and not at a con- conference. But Exciting. Star Realms. Star, Star Realms with Star Wars. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Star Realms people are like, we did it first. <laughs> I know. And, we, and for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we did it first and second and third. We have three versions of this game. But, um, but you go, you guys go ahead. You put your little IP on it. You go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you go make a million dollars off this idea we've been doing for a decade. <laughs> Uh, number 10 is Heat, Pedal to the Metal. People love this game. I want to play this game. I haven't played it yet, but Flam Rouge is amazing, and you throw it in, like, formula cars. I'm like, I want to play this. It looks cool. Yeah, Days of Wonder. I mean, maybe they're back? I don't know. I like, the, I like know. it. By all accounts, this is, like, the racing game. This is the Ooh, one. Right? Nice. Everybody's like, we we have it. We're done. We have the racing game. <laughs> so, done. I'm excited for that. Uh, number seven just announced a, like a week ago, Galactic Renaissance. Yes. This is a space version of Innis. Mm-hmm. So, and they say it's not a space version of Innis. It's like a second installment in a trilogy of games from Christian uh, Martinez. It's it really is. It looks like Space Innis. <laughs> I don't know. It it's is super. I don't know how to say that, but and that's not. It's not a bad thing. It's really no. not. Madigo does a great, great, great job, and this looks like a great game so sure lean into it i mean obviously uh you know star wars the deck building game did so yeah no, <laughs> yeah, no i'm i might back this because it is space inish like i that, that's enough for me i love inish i love inish yep uh number five is distilled this is a game about making whiskey which i believe is shipping now um that might be okay. the reason it's up here a lot of people backed it and it's now shipping so yes there you go uh number four same thing darwin's journey a lot of people backed it, and it's shipping. So Same that's what I you did. You backed this, right? I did, and I just got the notification today to like confirm my address. So all right, this We're is a long time in coming. Too. Yes, <laughs> yeah, this is Thunderworks, so it's been a, like two, three years, I imagine. It's been a while. Yeah, they're slow. Yep. Um, good games though. Uh, Earth at number three. I I backed this one. I got my copy in right before we went to the convention last week so i have it set up downstairs i'm, I'm gonna learn it tonight or tomorrow i'm very excited for this it, it looks really good it's got like some race for the galaxy type mechanisms some like some tableau builder type elements and like moving around the different pieces and it's got a really cool mechanic where when you spend cards you get compost which you then use to produce other things in the future so nothing is wasted sure. which mm-hmm. i love that idea no waste gotcha uh, number two is let's go to japan i talked about that earlier in the show and number one is the new Lost Ruins of Arnak expansion, The Missing Expedition. So two new leaders, a solo two-player campaign, a bunch of other cards and stuff. We saw a preview of this at PAX. We were not allowed to talk about it, but um, we very talk about excited. It now? It, it's, on, it's on number one on the hotness. I think we can oh, talk about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I, someone I made know. a mistake. <laughs> um, it's coming out at Gen Con, I think, so... I will track down and fight people for it because I'm going to yeah. get this. I love this solo game. Solo version, man. I'm telling you, it's your thing. Yeah. That'd be the third campaign, I think. 
So I, mm-hmm. I love I love that they do this. I love the solo campaigns. They're so much fun. Sounds good. All right. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye.